Well, Christmas Day itself might be over, but it's still the holiday season, and that means we still got the Holiday Bowl to look forward to. We're going to break it all down for you on today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Tuesday, December 27th, 2022. Welcome into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast. I'm your host, Isaac Shea. Joining me today are our buddies from Heel Tough Blog, Mr. Anthony Pagnata and Mr. Josh Marlowe. And we are all still celebrating the festivities of the holidays, but we want to be back with you to get you ready for the Holiday Bowl. And that's what we are doing today. So we want to thank you for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen or watch of the day to help you get your best Tar Heels content every single day. Fellas, good to be back together. Hope you both had a great holiday, a great Christmas celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And now we... (laughs) Wow, this is going to sound super sacrilegious, but we want to look at hopefully celebrating one more Tar Heel football victory this season. And we're going to talk about how that needs to happen. Um, And first, I want to get into that by just looking at, hey, when Carolina has the ball, and I know we're trying to figure out on, on both sides of things, guys missing, guys opting out. And so in some ways, we need to kind of refresh and reset for the listeners like, Who's even available personnel-wise? All of that kind of stuff. So I want to ask each of you, and I'll let whoever wants to go first do it, uh, but what are you looking for when North Carolina has the ball in this game? Well, I I think the first thing is, is what does this offense look like? Because, uh, you know, the last three games that we saw this offense, it it hasn't been great, especially in the red zone. And I I think that's going to be the biggest thing is, you know, this is is an offense that's not going to have its play caller. Bill Longo is not going to be calling plays in this game. Uh, and they're not going to have their new play caller. Chip Lindsey yes. is not going to be calling yes. plays in this game. Um, so this is going to be pretty much a thrown-together game plan. But at the same time, you're also wanting to see some steps, some progress, because this is a group that the last three weeks has looked inept at times, a, a group that could not move the football. Um, and that's not what we're used to seeing from – from this Carolina team really uh, since 2018. And wow. that's that's an area that you do not want to get back to. And the, the more frustrating part is you're doing that with a quarterback that is widely regarded as one of the best in the country. Um, you know, the good news is, is that he will be playing in this game, but you're going to have to figure out how you can move the football without your top receiver because Josh Downs is not going to be playing in this game. The good news with that, we saw earlier in the year right. against App State and, right. and Georgia State, you didn't have them, and you moved the football relatively well. So we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what, what does Carolina come out and do differently that they didn't do in these last three games of the season to try to get some things rolling against, you know, an Oregon team that uh, has a lot of talent, no doubt about it, especially on the defensive side of the ball. But we'll be without two of their big stars on that side of the ball in linebacker Noah Sewell and cornerback Christian Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the biggest thing I'm looking at is how does Carolina match up up front? Because yeah. the last three games where we saw this offense really become a shell of itself, they got overwhelmed by Georgia Tech, by NC State, and by Clemson. And the latter two you can't be all upset about. NC State and Clemson got – 
two of the best defensive lines, not just in the ACC, but all in college football. That Georgia one still stings, and that's why Drake May only has three touchdowns in his last three games. It's why Carolina couldn't run the ball. And Oregon, you know, Dan Lanning came from Georgia. He's been in the SEC. They play a physical brand for the mm-hmm. Pac-12. And so I'm be interested to see how does Carolina handle that physicality without not having Josh Downs with so many different moving parts on that offensive side. You know, no Phil Longo, your 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 O line coach gone, all that stuff is is no longer here. How does Carolina handle that part? If they can hold up physically, I think they can hold up and move the ball up and down the field against this Oregon defense. If not, I think you'll see what you've seen the last three games, which has been some inept offense from Carolina. Yeah, and it, it's interesting we think about, like, a, as you guys were saying, and, and Pagnata specifically about, like, back to those games without downs earlier in the season. I think there is something of a, of a game script there. But, man, when I look at Oregon, it's like I feel like there's a couple different ways you can maybe even attack them because they've not, at least last year and earlier this year, were not great against tight ends. Carolina's got some great depth there. But then, as you said, their second – or their their cornerbacks in particular are just about as terrible as Carolina's, although, as we'll get to in defense, Carolina's going to have some uh, differences there. And so, I mean, in some ways, you you want to rely on Antoine Green uh, to be be your veteran guy. But, man, you feel like you got some good stuff with Kobe Pesor. You feel comfortable with maybe what – Bryson Nesbitt could do in kind of a flex role. Who do you guys think is the dominant receiver for Drake May in this game? I think it's Pesower, man, because we saw him earlier this year, even without really that, you know, that that connection that he would have with some of the other starters. And I mean, look, they, they split time, him and Jacoby Criswell split time between the first and second team. So he probably did build some rapport with Kobe Pesor, but to me, it was amazing how quickly those two connected and the type of plays that they were able to make. I mean, the most athletic catch of the season probably came from Pesor in that Georgia Georgia State game where he makes that over-the-shoulder grab right before halftime. And I I think, you know, that's the – so to me, it wouldn't shock me if if he's the guy that has a big game. I think it's either him or Antoine Green. But the the guy that I want to see step up, is I want to see J.J. Jones start to show me something more than he has. Because, you know, early in the season, he had flashes of being that guy that could sort of take the top off the defenses and everything like that. But as we've gotten, you know, further along in the year, he's kind of faded into the background. You've seen other guys that have stepped up and sort of overtaken some of those roles uh, as, as, you know, guys that Drake can trust. And I'm not saying he can't trust J.J. Jones, but it just feels like, when the plays are there to be made for him, he hasn't made them. I want to see this game be one of those ones where he steps up and shows, look, I'm a big part of what this team's going to do next year, and it starts here in San Diego. Yeah. Marlo? You know, Shada, I'm really glad you brought the tight ends because the first month of the year, man, I was really pleased with that, with the production from that room because I thought entering this year – that was the next step for Phil Longo and his offense. We know we could get the ball to the wide receivers. We know we can run the ball. We know we know what we had in Drake May. But you needed more from that position because it was really effective when he was at Ole Miss. Didn't really translate to Carolina. In the first month of the year, there, there was production there. And then when Josh Downs kind of came back, we got so focused on getting him the ball, Antoine Green, and I get that. Those guys are explosive, but the tight end's a quarterback's best friend. 
And I, I really feel like, you know, when you look at when this offense really started to struggle, had we focused more on those three to five yard routes that could have then turned into 15, 20 yard gains, maybe we could have put a, put together more drives. And so I don't care if it's Nesbitt or if it's by committee, I want to see Carolina recommitted to getting those guys the ball. They all three have something unique to offer, both as pass catchers and then in run blocking. So I want to see those guys start to return to this Carolina offense against Oregon. That's a good word. I'm really curious also to see what Elijah Green does coming out of the backfield. And uh, speaking of Greens, do we get anything out of Andre Green, who we believe uh, might be able to get some action in this one too, given the NCAA's waiver for um, you know the red shirt and the typical four games. And so that could be an interesting thing to watch as well. Uh, quick word, Drake May over under 300 passing yards. Under. Oh, yeah, mm. <laughs> I because because that Oregon, if, if you look at the numbers, that Oregon secondary has been suspect for a lot of the year. I mean, they're letting up a lot of yards. The difference is, is that they've created just a ton of turnovers. I mean, I think it's 14 interceptions, if I remember when I was counting up correctly the other day. So uh, I, I would without Josh Downs, I'd probably say under I, I but I, I do think it'll be a lot better than we've seen here in recent weeks. I really think that you'll see him come out motivated to at least prove that he can move the football down the field. I'll be the contrarian. I'll take the over and, and hopefully, you know, get getting back to what you just said there, Pagnata, is just getting back to the pre-Georgia Tech version of this offense, I think is what we are all hoping and anticipating to see. The question is, can the defense live up to holding down Oregon on the other side of the ball? We're going to talk more about that here in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% sure that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post, so go ahead and give it a try. Just add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to let people know that you are looking to hire. And then you can use simple tools like screening questions to help you find exactly the right candidates with the skill set and experience that you're looking for. And that can help you figure out who you'd like to prioritize to interview and ultimately hire. You want to finish this year strong and just the right candidate can help you do exactly that. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, fellas, we turn our attention to Mr. Gene Chizik and his defense. Do now, we have no, you know what? Show's over. Well, let's go home and get ready for New Year's Eve. No, we have to. We got to look at what's going on. As has been the case um, of late, you're not going to have Tony Grimes or Storm Duck as your cornerbacks. We expect to see Marcus Allen and Legend Cavazos at those positions. We will not have Cam Kelly at safety. You expect uh, to see fresh another freshman in Will Hardy there. And so, man, that secondary, that's at least 60% of it, is not who you had become accustomed to. Defensive line, we know, has been shell-shocked all season by injury and, and various afflictions. We got, we got the, the two consistent dudes in the middle 
in number 33, Cedric Gray, and number 23, Power Eccles. Guys, what, what are you looking for as this, this unit trots out onto the field at Petco Park? Oh, I'll let you take this one first, brother. Let you, you figure this out. <laughs> you call um, it. You're up first, Marlo. <laughs> so, and maybe I'm exaggerating here. You know what I really want to see more than anything? What's that? Who wants to be here? Mm. Like, like, I feel like if, like if, if I'm Mac Brown, this is a last evaluation for guys that, you know, if, if they don't meet the standard, we'll, we'll, we'll put you in the portal ourselves. We'll go find somebody else. Same thing for this coaching staff of Tim Cross and Dre Bly have a month to get these guys ready and they come out and they look bad, then they need, then, then when they get back, they need to get a pink slip. And and so <laughs> you know what you're going to get from Power Eccles, from Cedric Gray. Right. They're as good a linebacking duo there is in the ACC. They would be getting more recognition nationally if Carolina's defense, right. one through 11, wasn't awful. And, and so, you know, from the defensive line standpoint, I want to see more from Javon Ritzy. I want to see more consistency from Cayman Rucker. I want to see a lot out of Travis Shaw in this game. Last time we talked, I was really impressed with Marcus Allen, a nice physical corner. Legend Cavazos is a guy that can make plays. Will Hardy is a rangy guy. I want to see them be more consistent. Because I said this, you know, when all these guys are into the portal, that Carolina could stand to upgrade. They may have better players on the roster that they didn't know were there because we're so loyal to guys because of how long they've been there. Right. These guys may be better players. Right. They may fit the system better. So I'm interested to see what those guys have to offer. But for the most part, I just want to see a care factor on that side of the ball. Hmm. Because if not, Bo Nix has more than more than the capabilities <laughs> to put up, you know, a 40-50 burger on Carolina's defense again. And, and that's always the question in these bowl games anyway, is which team is more motivated? I feel yeah. like we watch that all throughout late December and early January. Who actually wants to be here and play in this game? But to your point there, Marlo, for the Carolina defense, it's more than just motivation to win a game. It's motivation to prepare for 2023 and beyond. There's going to be evaluation both on players and coaches and we got some kind of smoke alarm going I've got off a smoke alarm going off oh, man. I, my take was just too hot <laughs> hot take pagnata as always shaking his head we need to get like a drop for a smoke alarm i love it so hard pagnata what about you what are your thoughts well hopefully the defense will be burning it up out there in san diego <laughs> like apparently my boy's house is doing right now but uh no, I, I mean, I think the, the motivation factor is going to be huge, especially on the defensive side of the ball, because I think offensively, there's no question these guys are going to come out motivated. They're going to come out motivated to prove that everything that happened at the end of the year is, you know, kind of behind them and that they can turn things back in the right direction and get a fresh start for next year. But that's also how the defense should look at this game, too, is that, look, this is almost an extension more of next year than of this year. Yeah, you can get to 10 wins, and ultimately that's a big part of what you want to do in this game. But the the, the biggest thing is, is you want to build some momentum for next year. That's right. I've already gone on record and said this, and I would be shocked if, if it goes the other direction. I think Gene Chizik is back. I, I really I, – I, I find it really hard to believe that they would fire him at this point. So my thing from, from this game is, yeah, it's a challenge really to the staff more than anything. I want to see them be more aggressive because I asked them to be more aggressive the last few weeks of the season and it wasn't there. Um, yeah. Now, look, you, you've got corners that 
mean, look, they're they're not great, but I'm a, but at this point, you you got to figure out what you got in these guys. Are, are these guys your starters moving forward, or are you going to have to have Elijah Huzzy and uh, Armani Chapman? Are they going to have to really play big roles for you? Let's test these corners. Let's see what they've got, and let's also be a little more creative about how we get after yeah, the quarterback. There you, go. If you let Bo Nix stand there and pick you apart. <laughs> he will. He will. The tight ends, he, he has had a lot of success with them this year. We know Carolina's had trouble defending tight ends all year long. And he's got a trio of wide receivers that he has had a ton of success with. Yeah, they lose Dante Thornton, a guy who had over 350 yards receiving to the portal. But his other top three receivers are back. So this is this is going to be a test for Carolina and really, it starts, you know, the guys up front, look, th- this should be just very similar to what you've got on the back end of this defense right now. Yeah, you don't have any commits there from the transfer portal on that defensive line. But one, Carolina should definitely be looking for those guys. And two, I, I think that, you know, with the talent you brought in again in this recruiting class on the edge, you have both of those guys that are going to come in and, and be early enrollees. You have to at least consider – you know, giving them a chance to win starting jobs when it comes to spring practice and even in the fall. So I think, uh, to me, who is motivated up front to step up? Who yeah. finally shows out up there? Yeah, I, I, I'm not really worried about Cayman Rucker doing it <laughs> That's or exactly Jabari right. Ritzy. I think both of those guys have proven themselves. But who else emerges from that group? And, you know, some of the other guys that are veterans up there, especially Miles Murphy. Dude, it is time to wake up or relinquish your position as a starter. Because I'm, I'm with, I'm with Josh. I think if look, if they struggle this badly in this game, I, I think it, it's you. You've got to move some things around up front. And the guy that I want to see the most in this game to see how much he's got and as when, when we will be able to trust him, I want to see a lot of Travis Shaw. Man, let yeah. me see that dude. This dude's a former five star. Let's see what he's got in the middle of this defense and if he really is the immovable force that we thought he could be coming out of high school. Yep, that's all great stuff. I, I'm right with you. I, uh, on, on the Rucker side of things, he if, if Cedric Gray is the heart and soul of the entirety of the defense, Cayman Rucker is just the guy that you can't help but root for. And if you're a teammate, follow behind. And I think he's got to be, even, even as the smallest of the group, the one to lead out ahead and have everyone else following him. And uh, boy, uh, there's possibilities all over the place. The the talent is there. It's just all got to come together. We're going to have an opportunity to see that. And in some ways, it's like even if you give up 30, 40 to Bo Nix, you really have to see what you got in these guys. And maybe some of them can come out and show out in a way that we haven't previously seen. Now, to some of those points, and to that motivation factor that we've been talking about, sometimes in a bowl game, yeah, you want to win it, obviously. But as we've talked about the three of us before on this show, sometimes it's about all those extra practices you get for a bowl game. And sometimes you win in other ways beyond the scoreboard. And that's what we want to look at in the final section. Yeah, we're going to make game predictions, but I want to have a conversation with these fellas to figure out what does a win look like for the Tar Heels in this game. We will do that in just a second. But first, this episode is brought to you by the NHTSA. Hey, very appropriate this holiday season. You're hanging out with some friends, putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. And as the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. 
you think of calling for a ride, but now nah, you live nearby. It's not that far a drive and you'll make it home. Okay. No big deal. What are the odds you're going to get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up or you lose your license or things start getting worse. You lose your job. You total your car, you kill someone, you set Josh Marlowe's smoke alarm off at his house. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and friends often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to help save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, please think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Okay, folks, this game tomorrow, Wednesday, December 28th, 8 p.m. Eastern time, 5 p.m. local time. Man, I'd be hungry. I'd rather be eating right then, but whatever. Good luck to the fellas right on Fox, North Carolina and Oregon. Last I've seen, the Ducks are favored by 14 and a half points in this game and the over under is 75 which they could blow by in the first half if we're being honest now as i said we're gonna make actual game predictions for this one but i want to look at in a season where your win total is probably far and above what you would have anticipated i think i know for myself coming into this season you still feel like the way you've gotten to that nine and four down the stretch you're you're certainly disappointed in that so beyond just getting to that 10th win, how do we quantify what a win looks like for Mac Brown and his football team in this game? Well, I think it's all about optimism. I got to be honest. I think that's the biggest thing is really, I mean, I said it earlier, you know, it's all about sort of making this an extension of next year. Yeah. Getting, you know, a feeling around the program that things are still going in the right direction. Um, and I, look, it's going to be hard to lose four straight games at the end of the season and still think that. But I think at this point, I mean, let's in most of our minds, this is about as tough of a game as Carolina has had to win in a long time because of everything that's going the way they're playing. The fact that the fact that, Oh my God, (laughs) that thing just doesn't want to quit. But, you know, I, I think the biggest thing that we have to realize in this game is just, you know, if you can get your offense back into a rhythm, if you right. can get it to a point where you feel like you, you feel comfortable that, hey, Drake May and this offense is going to put up points every single time that we go out there. Um, you know, defensively, you start to, sh- you know, see some of those guys. You know, we felt really good here about Marcus Allen, Will Hardy, um, you know, to a certain extent, Legend Cavazos. Can we see some more of those guys sort of emerge around? Cedric Gray and Power Eccles. Can you find those guys defensively that you can at least be excited about? And then hopefully, you know, look, maybe there are staff changes that happen in the offseason or whatever. Maybe it'll allow this team to sort of eventually, and again, it's going to be so hard to actually believe this in the offseason, but they finally get it to all click. We have said that for so long that it honestly pains me to even say those words. But I think that's that's ultimately what these bowl games are, are about. Those extra bowl practices, as we talked about, are so important because it helps you prepare for next season. Well, so is the actual game. So I think if 
you come out of this game feeling confident about what this team is doing going into the offseason, and you at least feel – I mean, look, we exited the bowl game last year. We we felt like the program was at a crossroads. We yeah. were extremely concerned with where it was yeah. heading. If you can at least exit feeling like there is a reason to believe this team can get back to where they were this year, which is, you know, back to the ACC championship game, I think that would be that that would be a pretty accomplished trip out there to San Diego for the guys. Yeah, absolutely. Marlo? You know, I, I think the thing is that if Carolina wins, you get to 10-4. and four. A double-digit win season doesn't happen all that often in Chapel Hill, and Matt Brown will spend the whole entire offseason spinning that because he's a spin master, and he really knows how to get whatever narrative it is he wants out there across the media. But, you know, you know, we were talking, as, as Anthony said, last year we had a crossroads. You're six and seven. If Carolina loses, you're nine and five. Guess what? You're still at a crossroads because you were nine and one with everything in front of you and you completely failed and collapsed. And so there will be people that will question Mac Brown. There will be quite there will be people that will question the staff, which still needs to happen regardless yep. of the bowl of game. The outcome. Yeah. And, and and so I think the thing is is that if you're a Tar Heel fan that didn't get to experience Mac Brown 1.0, like Anthony and I are. I want this train to last as long as it can. Because I know whenever he's gone, the excitement, the hype, will probably never be what it is right now. Well, if we want that to continue on for three, five more years, this feels like a pretty big win. Because Bubba Cunningham's shown that he's not afraid to, to make tough, to, 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 to fire people to make those tough decisions. And that's the big reason why he got the key. That's, that's, that's bigger why he's the AD. And so I feel like if Carolina can win this game and build off of that, we'll feel a lot more confident being able to compete next year to get back to the ACC title game. Because with the, with the, the, the divisions being scrapped, that's no guarantee. That's right. But if you lose this game and you're nine and five, you're going to have a hard time selling me on next year's being a good year. And that's even what Drake may coming back. That's right. Because we saw what uh, year three of Sam Howell looked like after losing some of his skills, guys. The same could be true. And that's a conversation that we're definitely going to need to have this offseason as well. Let me ask you guys this question. This is one I didn't ask you to prepare or get ready for. So I'm putting you on the spot with it. We've had several examples in recent years of somebody just blowing up in the bowl game and then launching into the next year with that momentum and optimism that we're talking about. Uh, I think Josh Downs is a great example of that. Uh, Eugene Asante, who no longer with the program, but is another great example of a brilliant bowl game performance. If you had to pick out one player who this is kind of his arrival game, if if we can call it that, who would you put in that spotlight? I, uh, I'm going to go with Kobe Pesor because as, as Anthony mm -hmm. mentioned, he's a guy that can make a bunch of athletic plays. He has that chemistry with Drake May from earlier in the year. Yeah. And with no Josh Downs, there won't be that need to just force the ball. I think Drake can get back to just spreading the ball around. And so I look at him and say, that's a guy that could come out here, give us six to seven catches, 80 to 100 yards, maybe a score or two. And when we're getting ready for next season, we can look at it and say, we got a body of work and trust this guy can come out there and put up a, 70 catch 800 yard type of year so that might be a cheap one but i'll take kobe pesor hey that's the benefit of going first you get the cheap one Pagnato, what about you 
Well, I mean, mine's, I guess, a little cheap, too, because we've seen it the last couple of weeks. But I think this could really be Marcus Allen's breakout game. Um, I think both him and Will Hardy have been playing great down the stretch of the season. But I think when it comes to that cornerback position, there's just so many unknowns. You, you brought in two transfers there. There's not a lot of depth. And you got, you know, some guys that, that, that are coming in as true freshmen, but we don't really know what they're going to be able to bring to the table. So with everything that is going on with that position group, I, I feel like you kind of need some answers there. And I feel like Marcus Allen, we saw some really good things from him in the final, you know, game and a quarter of the season. When he came in against NC State, I mean, that's one of the toughest roles that you can be thrown into is, hey, we're, we just have to throw you out here in the middle of a close game because we have an injury to one of our starters. Sure. And I thought he performed extremely well. I thought for the most part against Clemson, he looked really good. He tried to jump the one screen route that went for a big game. <laughs> yeah. But those are freshman mistakes. Those that's are right. things that that's happen. Right. And right. I, to be honest with you, a guy that's being aggressive, I, I'm not going to fault him for that, especially with what we've seen a lot this season of guys playing – way too far off, yep. allowing way too many yards. So I, I think this is his chance to really show up and play a great game. Look, Oregon's receiving core, as I mentioned earlier, is no joke. They've got some really talented guys out there. So this will be a good litmus test for him to see how much we can trust him. And I think he's going to be one of those guys that when we exit this game, we will be talking about the type of performance that he had for the Tarians. Well, that's who I was going to go with. So I'm going to take Mr. Bryson Nesbitt. I think uh, just his unique blend of, of size and skill set, his his hybridness between tight end and wide receiver, I think as you lose Josh Downs, um, that I, I, I'm right with you. I think Kobe Pesor is a guy that can step up and step in in a big way. But who are your unique players that you have that other teams either don't have or don't know how to defend? And when I look at Carolina's offense, I think he is that guy. Um, and and I think this offseason, Drake May and he are going to have are going to build a great rapport and connection together that will just blow up next season. But uh, for me, I'm looking for this to be the takeoff to that 2023 blow up. So um, any of these three guys that we've mentioned, I think could absolutely uh, be guys that step into the skills position. Folks, for you listening or watching in, we'd love to hear your thoughts on who you think this might be a blow up game for. All right, fellas, very quickly, and then we'll get out of here. As I said, we got this one at Oregon minus 14 and a half over under uh, most recently at 75. What are you going with? I will, I will take, man, <laughs> I, I'll take Carolina to cover, but I will take Oregon to win. Um, and I think it's barely a cover. I like Oregon 38, 24 over Carolina. I, I just think there's so many things going against this team right now in this bowl game. I mean, Bo Nix coming back, he's going to be motivated to show that he can be one of the Heisman favorites this next season. I think the way that they have run the football this year as well, we've seen teams that haven't run the football great throughout the year be able to run it down the stretch here on Carolina as well. So I, I just think with everything that's going on, the defense and a little bit of turmoil with all the transfers um, and I, I think the offense, you know, still trying to get back into rhythm. I think they'll, they'll move the football pretty well in this game. 24 points, I think is solid, but I just, I, I just think there's too much going against them in this one against the Oregon team that was really, really good. And they were a collapse away, uh, you know, in that second half against Oregon state from playing in the PAC 12 championship game and potentially even being in the Rose bowl. 
Yeah, love it. Love it. Marlo? Yeah, I mean, look, when this bowl game got announced, there were two things I was excited for, and they weren't, and it wasn't the, neither one of them were the potential for a victory. It was the uniform matchup of Carolina and Oregon. <laughs> What's that going to look like? And with this game being broadcasted on Fox, I get to hear my guys, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt, call the game. Unfortunately, I think they're going to be calling a Tar Heel defeat. Uh, Anthony, you won't surprise that we won't be surprised that I was almost in lockstep with you. I got the Ducks 35-24. I think they've got so much offensive firepower, too many questions on Carolina's defense. And I also think Oregon will be a team that will be motivated, that will be invested. With the way the season ended, Dan Lanning, if he gets to 10 wins in his first year in Eugene, that's a pretty good start for him as he tries to get them back to being a comfortable playoff contender. So um, I think we'll see a lot more fun from Drake May, but I do like the Ducks in the end. 35-24. Yep, I'm right with you guys. I think Carolina will cover. Oregon wins. Uh, what Pagnata said about Oregon's run game, I think is going to be a key in this one. What is If, if your secondary is a little bit banged up, what's the best way to keep Drake May on the sideline? Run the ball, run the clock, and keep Carolina's offense uh, off the field. And so I wouldn't be surprised, despite Bo Nix's ability with his arm, if Oregon leans into that uh, strong run game they have and uh, kind of mitigates Drake May's ability to be Drake May in this game and, and cutting down on Carolina's possessions. Um, I will go that said, even still, I know this goes against the game script I just mentioned. I will go with the over in this one. Fellas, it has been great to be together coming out of Christmas and I uh, doubt we'll talk. I don't think we talk again before New Year's. So uh, happy 2023 to you guys. Can't wait to chat as we turn the calendar to 2023. Uh, we look back at this game and we look forward to what is ahead. Folks, that's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Make sure you join us tomorrow. Coach Pat Kilby and I will look back at Carolina basketball's non-conference schedule and look ahead to the conference port of, part of the season. For your next listen, check out Locked on Sports Today. Biggest stories of the day, instant reactions, big game recaps, and of course, the take of the day. You can find it on Odyssey, YouTube, and anywhere else you get Podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Heels. You can follow both of my guys here at their various HTB and underscores and non underscores. You can go find it and you can follow me at Isaac Shade. Please don't forget to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave comments on the show. We really appreciate you taking time out of holiday with your family. Maybe you're listening to this while you're traveling, and if so, safe travels wherever you're headed. We want to remind you folks that it is always a great day to be at Tar Heel. Until tomorrow, peace.